Less than five days away from the season opener at Lumen Field, the Seahawks continue to have positive injury news trickle in, including being fully healthy at the receiver position. We're going to be breaking it all down on our Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here on our first matchup Wednesday of the 2023 season by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in from Boise, Idaho, or Annapolis, Maryland. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We are getting closer and closer to the season opener at Lumen Field on Sunday. More positive injury news for the Seahawks. And as we've been advertising, we get to break down the matchups. The first time this year, we're going to be talking matchups, offense, and defense. Rams versus Seahawks. Everybody get fired up. This truly means it is football season with us busting out matchup Wednesday here. One of our favorite shows of the entire week. And there's some really appetizing matchups heading into this NFC West Battle Royale. Coming up here in this season opener. This episode is brought your way by our friends of the Game Time app. Create an account and use the code Locked in NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now for your lead story here on Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Seattle continues to have more positive injury news come in by the day. Today, Pete Carroll saying that they expect both Jackson Smith and Jigba and Daryl Taylor to be ready to roll against the Rams on Sunday. So basically said they are going to be playing. Smith and Jigba was a full participant in practice today. Taylor was limited, but was involved in most of the drills. So both these guys are trending towards being available in the season opener on Sunday, Robin. That's not the only good news. Mike Morris practiced again. Darren Hall practiced again. Devin Witherspoon practiced again. And he looks to be trending in the right direction, though Pete Carroll was non-committal on his status for Sunday. It does seem like a lot of these rookies are going to have a chance to play that have been banged up in the preseason. Yeah, it's very exciting news from the Seahawks. It's very disturbing news from the L.A. Rams or Cooper Cup. Uh, and, you know, Sean McVay, the, of course, the L.A. Rams head coach, confirmed that Cooper Cup, the Eastern Washington superstar, the MVP of the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago, Offensive Player of the Year, will not play against the Seahawks in this opener. That is huge news, uh, you know, for the L.A. Rams. And as you just mentioned, obviously very, very positive news on the flip side for the Seahawks. Jackson Smith and Jigba is, of course, the one as a first-round pick that is going to get a whole bunch of buzz. Devin Witherspoon at the same, uh, you know, same way is going to get a whole bunch of buzz about that. But you mentioned some of the other players there that I really think are going to have an impact in this game for the Seahawks, being Daryl Taylor, being Mike Morris, the, the run stuff for Cameron Young. We haven't seen much of him, but he has a possibility to play in this game as well. So all kinds of big-time news coming, uh, positive news coming out of the VMAX where it was not that way from the L.A. Rams perspective. So, again, uh, if you are just looking for an excuse to get excited about the opener just a couple of days away, uh, you know, then certainly the Seahawks provided that on Wednesday. You and I were both 
a bit skeptical when Pete Carroll said after Jackson Smith and Jigba had that surgery on his wrist that he was going to be able to make it back by week one. And there were plenty of doctors that know a lot more than you and I do that were talking about five, six weeks, probably the recovery timeline. And yet full participant at practice, Pete Carroll said he hasn't made any beefs about his wrist at all. Does not look like he's having any issues. It's not hindering him. And he's just a different level of competitor. He wants to be out there. He's put the work in and he's now been practicing for over a week, Rob. So I think that everything has trended in the direction where they haven't had any setbacks. They haven't had to worry. So Seattle is going to be full strength at receiver. They're going to have DK Metcalf. They're going to have Tyler Lockett. They're going to have Jackson Smith and Jigba. Of course, they're going to have more Bobo as well. So the Seahawks are going to have the majority of their receivers, Derek Young being the only one that's on injured reserve right now, but they are in good shape at that position. You can't say the same for the Rams. Now, one other injury update of note, and the reason we're tying this in here, because you and I were just going to mention Jamal Adams has a chance to actually practice next week, which by itself, that would be significant news. He's been doing walkthroughs this week, so he is making progress. Maybe he can be ready by week two, week three at the latest to be able to actually suit up and play some snaps in a game. But that actually was not the biggest news with number 33 today. For those of you that wondered about the possibility of Seattle moving on from Jamal Adams next year, they made a move today that was announced by Field Yates of ESPN to restructure his contract that is going to push his cap hit close to $30 million in 2024, and they would have a $20 million dead cap hit. It's hard to envision Seattle making this move and having the thought process, well, we're going to wait and see, and maybe we'll move on next year, and then turn around and make this move. Yeah, what, what Seattle basically did is they just moved some funds all around. But they, they are committing to Jamal Adams being on this team um, unless they want to take a $20 million-plus cap hit uh, in dead cap. Jamal Adams is going to be on this team in 2024. He's going to be on this team in 2025. I personally think that's great news because I think that that is just illustrative of the fact that the, the Seahawks believe that Jamal Adams is going to return to full health. They wouldn't do this unless they believe that was the case. He has proven himself to be a difference maker when he is healthy. And it also created nine plus million dollars of, of salary cap space. That's what Seattle has total. I shouldn't say that that was just this move gave Seattle nine million dollars but now Seattle has nine million plus dollars worth of cap space to be able to do a little bit of something perhaps uh you know the rest of this season and that's not to suggest that they are going to make some type of a splashy trade but it does give them an awful lot of flexibility to do so if something does come down the pipe so I, I really think that this is is big news because it just again confirms how committed the Seahawks are to Jamal Adams if you wanted to see if they would you know bet on him initially they did so and now they are doubling down on that bet uh you know and then it also again it creates a whole bunch of flexibility for them this season as well as i said a couple of days ago guys you know lock in and get ready the seahawks are absolutely going for it this season and i think that it should make for a fantastic very exciting 2023 campaign you're making a very good point here on the timing of this, because if the Seahawks had any reservations about Jamal Adams returning to form or they were concerned about where he was at physically coming back from this torn quad tendon, there is no way 
that John Schneider and the front office would have signed off on this. There's no way that they would have. So this is just another sign, as you said, that the organization is feeling really good about Jamal Adams. When they get him back in the field, they're going to make sure that he is fully ready to go. That's why they're not rushing him to play in week one, but they're going to make sure he's ready to go, get him back on the field so that he can be that game-changing weapon on defense that they thought they were bringing in a few years ago. And he played at that level when he's been healthy. So this move shows the Seahawks are very confident. If they weren't, there's no way they would have done this. And you mentioned the cap space. I'm just going to throw this out here right now because I know there's going to be listeners saying, hey, we're making a move for Chris Jones. You're still not going to absorb Chris Jones's contract, the one that he has now that he is holding out because of. You are not going to fit that in your salary cap. So no, this move is not being made right now. So the Seattle can go out and get a really big fish. They don't have the money to do that. But as you pointed out, it does give a lot of flexibility because if you get to the trade deadline, you're only on the hook for whatever salary cap space is left for the remainder of that season. It's already been paid out for the first half. So that gives you a lot more flexibility. If there's a team that has a stud defensive tackle that's finding themselves out of the playoff race already, or it looks like they're ready to rebuild, Maybe John Schneider makes some phone calls there, but he has talked about it time and time again. You want to make sure you have some wiggle room with your salary cap in case injuries strike and things of that nature so that you can go out and you can make a move. They only had two and a half million before this restructure, Rob. They wouldn't have been able to do very much with two and a half million dollars of cap space. So nine plus million, that is significantly different. It does give them some trade possibilities when you get closer to the deadline, or if there's some injuries, they might be able to go out and get a few players. They're going to have the space and the wiggle room to be able to do that. So they're healthier. They've got more health in their salary cap, at least in the short term, more possibility to the trade deadline. Overall, it's a pretty successful Wednesday heading into the season opener for the Seahawks. Coming up next, it is our first matchup Wednesday of the 2023 season and these are two very familiar opponents and yet there may be some different players that we are going to be talking about today on our show because the Rams are much different the Seahawks have some newcomers as well should be a jam-packed matchup Wednesday we're going to be starting with the Seahawks on offense against the Rams on defense coming up next year on our Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks, which is brought your way by our friends at Harry's. Being a bald guy, I'm always shaving my head to make sure I don't look like Dr. Phil. That is the worst feeling and worst look in the world. No matter why you shave, Harry's has you covered for the best shave of your life at a price you'll love. From their legendary high-quality razors to skin products like exfoliating face wash and hydrating lotion, Harry's gives you a premium shave without the premium price tag. Get better quality at a better price. Than other razors when you get Harry's delivered right to your door. I recently got the starter set. It's a $13 value for just $3 at harrys.com slash NFL. It includes a five-blade German-engineered razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover. You can schedule delivery for refills as low as $2, half what you pay for other blades. It's shaving magic. Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, and they're still offering a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Get your best shave ever this summer with Harry's razors and skincare products. Get a $13 starter set for just $3 at harrys.com slash NFL. That's harrys.com slash NFL for a $3 starter set. 
You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my coast in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. The Locked On Ultimate NFL Season Preview is officially here. The seven-episode extravaganza brings opinions, analysis, and plenty of debate. From all 32 of our Locked On NFL hosts with added insights from our national experts, it's a can't-miss series. Before the season kicks off this weekend, catch every podcast on Locked On NFL, on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Rob, it is that time. We are finally to our first matchup Wednesday of the 2023 season. Now, there's going to be a lot of new names that we're going to be throwing around here, both for the Seahawks and especially for the Rams as we get deeper into this show, but... It wouldn't be a Seahawks versus Rams matchup. And last year we had two games. We didn't get to talk about this guy. It was kind of nice to an extent, but at the same time, you want to beat teams with their best players. Aaron Donald did not play for the Rams in either one of the Seahawks wins over them last year. That is not going to be the case on Sunday. Aaron Donald is going to be coming back with a vengeance against the team that he has wreaked the most havoc against. The Seahawks, he has dominated them throughout his playing career, and he's going to look to get back to doing that. If the Seahawks are going to win this game, this is mission number one. Try to limit how much Aaron Donald can get into the backfield and get after Geno Smith, disrupt your run game, and that onus is going to fall on the guards as well as center Evan Brown. It's going to fall on, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And both Damian Lewis at left guard and Evan Brown at center and Phil Haynes at right guard, who, of course, has never really played much against uh, Aaron Donald. And it might actually even fall on Seattle's two offensive tackles because the Rams, as we talked about in yesterday's show, Corbin, the Rams have no necessarily allegiance to the schemes that they've run in the past. There has been such roster transition here that they might be using him outside at the tackle or at the defensive end position against the tackles. They did that more than people might suspect over the last couple of years. I think you can actually even make an argument that this is a matchup between Geno Smith against Aaron Donald because, again, as we just mentioned, Geno Smith, of course, Seattle started at the quarterback position a year ago, never actually had to face number 99. And so when you get hit a couple of times in the mouth, especially early on, that might change everything. So to me, this is a terrifying matchup for the Seahawks because they are better on paper than the LA Rams, which is pretty exciting stuff considering the Rams won the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. But Aaron Donald is that much of a difference maker. I do suspect that as excited as I am about Seattle's ability to to put up an awful lot of points this season, Aaron Donald can change that in an absolute heartbeat. And, and so that's the thing is that do the Seahawks have the courage to be able to try to throw some balls deep down the field? Because I do think that there's going to be some possibilities with Seattle's receivers against the Rams cornerbacks. At the same time, you have to be able to block Aaron Donald long enough to be able to give you that opportunity. So to me, this is number one matchup, number 1,000 matchup. It's the only matchup that really matters that much. Somehow, some way, whether it be Seattle chipping in extra blockers, whether it's off- offensive line, whether it be the running backs, whether it being Geno Smith getting the ball out of his hands immediately, they have to slow Aaron Donald down. If they do, this should be a victory. But if they don't, this could be a game where Seattle's entire season falls down at the heels of number 99 yet again. 
there are only a handful of players in this league, Rob, where you can circle the name and say, this guy can win games by himself. Aaron Donald is one of those players. Micah Parsons, who the Seahawks unfortunately are going to see later this season with the Cowboys. Bosa, who just got $34 million per year on his new extension. Those are the type of players along the defensive line that do have that ability to single-handedly destroy game plans. And Aaron Donald has done it so many times with the Seahawks that I think Russell Wilson still in Denver is probably still having nightmares about all those games. And Aaron Donald, number 99, living in the backfield. And it's not just rushing the passer. I talked about this on yesterday's show. In the 11 games he played in last year, the Rams gave up 100 or more rushing yards just four times. Five of the six games he was out, they allowed 100 or more rushing yards. So their run defense was not near as good without him on the field, too. So he is just that all-around disruptive force, as good as we've ever seen in the NFL. So it is matchup one, matchup two, and we can keep going on and on. You don't slow down Aaron Donald. You let him take over the game. You're going to have a very difficult time winning. If you can find a way to somewhat neutralize him, though, and give Geno Smith some time to throw the football this is where the advantage to the Seahawks lies. There is no Jalen Ramsey in the secondary. He's now on injured reserve, chilling in Miami. So the Rams won't have him at their star position. And this is a really young, for the most part, unproven secondary. Now, Pete Carroll was talking about him some today. They're very quick. This is a different type of secondary than what the Rams have had when Jalen Ramsey was out there. Ramsey's obviously a great athlete, but he doesn't have the change of direction that some of these younger players the Rams have right now. Uh, in particular, two that jump out. They have Darion Kendrick, and they also have in their slot position, I'm trying to, Kobe Durant, Kobe Durant in the slot position, two guys that are second-year players that are not near as big or lengthy as Jalen Ramsey, but they both are extremely agile. They're quick. They've got some ball skills, and they are players that the Rams are expecting to make a big leap, but still, those players are not Jalen Ramsey. So you've got to think this is big advantage if Geno Smith has the time to throw the ball, obviously. But DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and a healthy Jackson Smith and Jigba against this Rams cornerback room that also has Akella Witherspoon. Seahawk fans know him from his five-minute foray where he was here before he got traded away. He is listed as one of their starters at outside corner. This feels like a matchup that is right for the Seahawks to take advantage of. There's some young talent there. But there's also a lot of inexperience, and they just don't have the star power that Jalen Ramsey brought to go up against a receiving core that could be the best in the NFL if everything falls in line for the Seahawks. Yeah, that's the thing. As long as you can protect against Aaron Donald and the rest of that formidable Rams pass rush, and I say formidable, there, there's not a lot of guys out there, but Byron Young, the other edge rusher, I think that is a rookie, I think is going to make some big plays here this season. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I, and I think that they, it, it was an interesting use of words from Pete Carroll. They The, the Rams have corners who are quick. They don't necessarily have corners who are fast. They don't necessarily have corners who are physical. And so they are guys that are potentially vulnerable if Seattle, again, has enough pass protection to be able to take advantage of it. Uh, you know, you look, you look at uh, Kennard, or excuse me, uh, 
Uh, now I'm spacing on his name myself. Kendrick, Darion Kendrick, for, who was drafted out of Clemson. He ran into four sixes when, when he came out. And then that's one of the reasons why he fell as far as he did. Kobe Durant is actually the fastest of the guys. But, you know, he, he played at South Carolina State, and he only started one game a year ago. Now, I personally think that Kobe Durant is going to be a heck of a football player. But at the same time, he is the very definition of unproven. And he might be the one who was matching up against Jackson Smith and Jigba, who we've talked about so much in terms of his, uh, you know, just, just what a great uh, route runner that he is, how polished he is as a route runner. You, you might be able to take advantage of that. Akilah Witherspoon um, is a good football player, in my opinion, as well. But he doesn't have a change of direction that Tyler Lockett has. And that could be an interesting matchup as well. So, again, to me, this is a matchup that Seattle could be able to take full advantage of. We saw DK Metcalf literally put Jalen Ramsey on his back and, and win games for the Seahawks a year ago. So it's not that the Seahawks necessarily had fear against the L.A. Rams cornerbacks a year ago. But this definitely has, is, a, is a position group for the L.A. Rams that has taken a drop down with Jalen Ramsey now, as you said chilling in Miami and the Seahawks definitely upgrade at the slot position now with Jackson Smith and Jigma expected to be on the field and as I said yesterday I expect him to score a touchdown in this game I expect him to be to be a contender for AFC or excuse me the NFL rookie of the year in terms of touchdowns. I think that he is able to make a splashy performance and reestablish really that the Seahawks are, as you said, are one of the best, if not the best receiver core in all of the NFL. One other name that is missing from this Rams defense, he's going to be on the field on Sunday, but he's going to be wearing blue and green. That's Bobby Wagner. That's what you and I were talking about. What's going to be the third matchup here? We could talk about Ken Walker, the third Zach Charbonnet. We could talk about the tackles going up against Byron Young. I think those are worthwhile discussions. There's a lot of matchups that are going to play a role in who wins this football game. But this is one of those matchups where I look at the Rams linebackers before Bobby Wagner came to town, that was an area where they hadn't invested much money in. There were some concerns there. Now Bobby Wagner's gone. Ernest Jones is a solid player, but this is not a strength for this football team. And it feels like if there's a game the tight ends could have some decent numbers in the passing game, that it would be this one, Rob. I actually really like the matchup getting Colby Parkinson or Noah Fant against Ernest Jones and the rest of the Rams linebackers. And if you're going to throw the safeties into this discussion, they brought back John Johnson after two years with Cleveland, but he wasn't necessarily great in Cleveland. That's why he's back in L.A. And they've got other new pieces back there. Russ Yeast, a player that I coached against in Indiana a few years back, is a talented player. But he's undersized and he's had some injury issues and penalties have been a major problem for him since he came in the NFL. I just feel like this is a matchup that could be advantageous too, especially if the Rams are selling out, trying to figure out how can we slow down these three receivers? Oh, look, there's a 6'7 tight end running down the seam wide open. And I just feel like there's some real athletic mismatches, especially with Fant and Parkinson here. And the Seahawks have had some success with their tight ends against the Rams in the Sean McVay era as well. They absolutely have. And I think that anytime that, uh, you know, again, you're trying to slow down Aaron Donald. So one of the easiest ways of doing that is to run the football and then just do quick play action passes right over the top of them to be able to hit your tight end. So yeah, whether it be Seattle in the running game, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, obviously Ken Walker the third, and then Zach Charbonnet. I think that that's going to be a significant part of Seattle's game plan. And I also think, of course, the tight ends are going to be a big part of this. We've talked over and over again over the last year and a half that Seattle really has a three-headed monster at the tight end position. I think that's something they should be taking advantage of. I think that the Rams have pretty solid linebackers. I like Ernest Jones. Christian Roseboom, I think, is a good, solid player as well. I think he just needs his opportunity. He's going to get it here, but I do think that Seattle has a really gifted running backfield, and they also have some very talented tight ends. So again, if you can slow down Aaron Dahl, you can slow down Byron Young off the other side as well, then I really think that this is a Rams defense that is vulnerable, and the Seahawks should be able to take advantage of, especially because this is a game that's starting off in Seattle. We're going to be switching gears up next, continuing matchup Wednesday, Seahawks on defense. They have plenty of new pieces. They are going to be breaking in, potentially even Devin Witherspoon playing in this game, going up against the Rams offense. We'll get to those matchups coming up next here on our Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks, which is brought your way by the Game Time app. If you've ever been in the hunt for sports or concert tickets at the last minute, the process can be anxiety-provoking. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. If you're wanting to see the Seahawks against the Rams in their season opener on Sunday and have an itch to put together a last-minute road trip, Game Time's awesome flash deals feature and a detailed stadium map will help you find awesome seats for under 75 bucks right now, and it's super easy. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, and the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the very best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account. And use the code Locked in NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem the code Locked in NFL for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Terms apply. You're listening to the Matchup Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined as always by my host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the twelves out there. Thank you so much for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week, especially now that we're breaking into regular season mode. Coming up tomorrow, it's our first Crossover Thursday special of the new season. I'll be joining the team from Locked On Rams, and we'll take an even deeper dive into this upcoming NFC West battle at Lumen Field. You won't want to miss it. That'll be coming out tomorrow, wherever you listen to your podcast. Let's continue the matchup Wednesday festivities, our first one of the 2023 season. We've looked at the Seahawks on offense against the Rams on defense, where clearly there is one man that you have to have a massive highlighter on and worry about dealing with an Aaron Donald. Not quite the same thing when you're looking at the Seahawks defense going up against the Rams offense without Cooper Cup being available in this game. That does significantly change things for the Rams offense, but it feels like this is going to be another side of the ball where the trench battle is really going to dictate things because the Rams, one of their biggest struggles last year, Rob, protecting Matthew Stafford, he got banged up because of it. In the interior, they had major issues there, and they've gone out, they've drafted some players in the interior. They're going to have a healthy Brian Allen. He missed a lot of games last year with injury. So the Rams are optimistic that that interior offensive line is going to be better 
And the Seahawks feel that way about their reworked defensive line. We get to see Draymond Jones in extended action for the first time. Jaron Reed back in action. Mario Edwards, Miles Adams. They're hoping Mike Morris and Cameron Young. This really does feel like interior O-line against interior D-line Rams versus Seahawks that that could have a big bearing on this game because if you can find a way to get some interior pressure on Matthew Stafford and speed his clock up, even at his age, he will still uncork some throws into tight coverage, and he's capable of throwing interceptions. And we also know if you make him one-dimensional without Cooper Cup, that dramatically improves your chances of winning this football game as well. It starts with the guys in the middle of that defensive line. Oh, no question about it. Uh, you know, I think to me, this really comes down to to two different groups here. I think it comes down to Seattle's pass rush and it comes down to that crowd. Um, you know, so so where are you at, 12s? I mean, you, you want to win this football game? I think you're going to have to be loud. I think you're going to have to come into this game as passionate as you should be for it being the opener of the 2023 season for a club that really should be competing for a deep postseason run. You cannot look past the L.A. Rams, who, again, bears repeating, are just two years removed from winning the Super Bowl. And a big part of that is number nine, Matthew Stafford, who is a terrific quarterback and from all accounts is 100% back to being the strong-armed number one overall selection that he was all those years ago out of Georgia, the Detroit Lions, if the Seahawks are unable to get a pass rush going, and that's a big, big uh, kind of challenge to Draymond Jones. You sign for all that money. All the the, uh, the the speed that Seattle has on the outside, we talked about, and I've talked a lot about Daryl Taylor. You've talked a lot about Boye Mafia. We have not talked enough about Uchenna Nuosu, who, of course, you know, kind of cut his teeth. USC Trojans with the Los Angeles or formerly San Diego Chargers, you know that he's going to want to have a splashy debut in 2023 as well. That's the way you slow down Matthew Stafford because you're right. He is he typically does rely on Cooper Cup. That's obviously what got them to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. He's not going to have Cooper Cup there now. So it's going to be critical for the Seahawks to be able to take advantage of a pretty young and relatively inexperienced offensive line for the Rams. I mean, I, I would just focus in on the left guard, Steve Avila. He was a player that I really kind of pounded the table. I thought the Seattle should be considering early on in this past draft and the Rams from everybody I've talked to are, I feel very, very good about what he is able to do. So whether it be Draymond Jones, whether it be a guy like a Jaron Reed, more of the run stuff or, or a Miles Epps, whoever it might be, it is critical that you get pressure on Matthew Stafford early and often in this game. Otherwise, if you keep this game close, Matthew Stafford can absolutely bite you. I want to talk about Bobby Wagner because this matchup – it, it's weird. We don't normally see this happen where you have a player, especially of Bobby Wagner's caliber, that's with one team for a decade, and then he leaves for a division rival for a year, and then suddenly he's back with his original team. Like, that just doesn't happen. And yet it did with Bobby Wagner. And it was interesting talking to him today in his first regular season press conference of the season about what he learned being in L.A. when he was actually on the team and having to practice every day. He talked about picking Sean McVay's brain and discussing some of the things the Rams used to do trying to take advantage of him. And he was able to figure all that stuff out. Now he's wondering, you know, it really is more of a chess match. I'm going to know what they like to do against me. Are they going to try to do the same stuff? Are they going to switch things up? Am I going to have a curveball for them? Because that I know what they want to do to me as well. And it adds a lot of intrigue. But I'm looking at the run game more than even the coverage game here. 
Cam Akers has given the Seahawks some problems in the past. Even when the Rams have not been able to run the football well, they find a way to do it against the Seahawks. And we know the issues Seattle had last season, but number 54 was not in the middle of the defense. He's back there. So I'm really excited to see how this run defense looks with Bobby Wagner leading the way. Can he get to the line of scrimmage? Can he get in the backfield and make some impact plays on Cam Akers? And when he has his opportunities, how does he look in coverage against the running backs as well? No, I'm very excited about that as well. To me, uh, of all the players that are going to be on the field, and that's with a great deal of respect to Aaron Donald, that's as excited as I am about the the you know the rookie debuts for for all of Seattle's guys uh, as well. It's Bobby Wagner's return to Seattle. That I think is the most interesting element of this story. Um, you know, the the Cam Akers and, and the Rams running backs are are very talented, and they have enough speed to be able to beat Wagner off off the edge if he is not lined up properly if he's not kind of reading things correctly if the Seahawks aren't doing a great job of keeping him clean so I think that's fascinating as you mentioned I mean Sean McVay and the Rams were able to pick Bobby Wagner apart in the past and so is he going to still be vulnerable because the Rams are going to be using their running backs their tight ends and I, I was remiss in not mentioning Tutu Atwell a moment ago and all of those jet sweeps that the Rams have absolutely eaten Seattle up alive over the last couple of years how is Seattle going to be able to handle that we've talked I, I I'm excited to see what Bobby Wagner does I'm more excited just in a general sense about how Seattle is able to hold up in the running game to me that still feels like the you know the uh the, the chick in the armor that that's the Seahawks have to be able to you know, prove that they are able to handle because the Rams are a team that I think is going to struggle in this way a little bit. You got the Detroit Lions, who, who some people believe has the best offensive line in all of the NFL a, a week from now. And that's this game, of course, is going to be in Detroit. So I think that this is a, an interesting litmus test. And I think everybody's going to focus in on Bobby Wagner. I, I fully expect him to, to lead the, everybody in, in tackles in this game. But does he show some vulnerability in terms of coverage? Is he as physical as he was this year as he was when he played off when he played pissed off against the Seahawks a year ago can he still channel channel that at his age you know and so that to me again is one of the everybody's going to focus in on him for obvious reasons and I think again the tackle numbers are going to be big is he as effective as his tackle numbers suggest that to me is going to be one of the real keys of this game and Seattle's success or lack thereof moving forward this year. Anytime that you've got Matthew Stafford under center on the other side and you've got Quandre Diggs at the safety position, the former longtime teammates in Detroit, that's got to be one of your featured matchups because everything that I've heard is that Matthew Stafford's arm looks live in training camp and that he looks healthy. And so that creates the potential for the Rams to get that downfield passing game. And this is going to be my argument, Rob. Cooper Cup, as good of a receiver as he is, he chews up opposing defenses in the intermediate game for the most part. He's not a guy that consistently wins on verticals. That's not his game. But Tutu Atwell, that's his game. He is a burner. Van Jefferson, he is at his best when he is running downfield. And if Baker Mayfield could have thrown the ball better, the Rams might have won that game at the end of the season last year on a connection to Van Jefferson. The receivers that the Rams are going to have they are better suited to attack the air downfield. And we know Matthew Stafford, when healthy, has one of the best arms in the NFL, even in his mid-30s now. And so 
that onus falls on Quandre Diggs, the ball hawk himself. He had two interceptions against Stafford a couple years ago. They didn't get to face each other because of Stafford's injury last season. But these two, they're friends off the field, on a field, both extremely competitive. Diggs will be looking to get the one up on him again. And I also think Julian Love's got to be considered here because he is a more flexible safety in terms of where you can put him in coverage than Jamal Adams. And I think we'll see him some as a deep safety, potentially even Diggs playing up in the box some. It gives him some flexibility, but that also means he's the guy in the back half. Is he going to be able to control those deep routes and make plays in the football if Matthew Stafford decides to let it air out? Yeah, and I love that you mentioned Julian Love because, again, I think everybody is going to focus in on Quandre Diggs, I think, for obvious reasons. Uh, you know, just the familiarity between the two, Quandre Diggs' success against Matthew Stafford. I mean, it seems like game in, game out, um, you know, and obviously with a big interception that, that propelled Seahawks to the playoffs a year ago, um, you know, but I think that Julian Love is a really interesting storyline in this game. As we we started off today's show, in, in part, talking about the, the big news that uh, Jamal Adams contract has been restructured and the Seahawks have, have basically doubled down on him for the future. And I think Julian Love is like, you know, kind of raising his hand like, hey, don't forget about me. And this is one of his opportunities here to kind of show that he can be a playmaker, that he can be a more versatile player. That's what he's shown himself to be in his brief NFL career than Jamal Adams has. And so I, I'm really intrigued to see how he performs in this game. And then uh, again, I, I love that you mentioned Tutu Atwell. Tutu Atwell has blinding speed. I mean, some people had him in the four threes. Some people had him in the four twos at the combine a couple of years ago. He's also 160 pounds. So if we're going to talk about defensive backs that I'm excited to see if Devin Witherspoon is back on the field in this game and they try to do one of those little jet sweeps like the Rams like to do. Devin Witherspoon might knock 2-2 into next Tuesday because he is that kind of a hitter. And and so I'm just fascinated by the way that Seattle's defensive backs match up against the L.A. Rams receivers. And finally, again, with Matthew Stafford, if the Seahawks do get ahead of this game, that's what I kind of argued in yesterday's show that I really think that Daryl Taylor might be able to kind of pump up his, his his sack numbers this year. Part, a big part of that is because I think that the Seahawks have the explosive offense that can get ahead of teams. Then Matthew Stafford is going to do what Matthew Stafford does. He is going to try and sling it. He's going to try and create some big plays with his big arm downfield. And that is going to create all kinds of, of playmaking opportunities for the Seahawks to get some, you know, some interceptions, some sacks, and get that Seattle crowd up in arms. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, it's our first crossover Thursday in the 2023 season. I'll be teaming up with the Locked on Rams crew, and we will take an even deeper dive into this upcoming NFC West opener between the Seahawks and Rams. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in and enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.